Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, if you follow along, or you have the teaching notes right there in front of you. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we love to love you. And the Holy Spirit, we thank you for the way that you impart love for Jesus into our hearts. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, let us see what you see and feel what you feel. When you look at the Father's love for Jesus and impart that to us, we ask. We thank you in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, this is session eight. And we're looking at uh, what I'm calling my two favorite verses. <laughs> my two favorite prayers. And the reason I, I, I'm saying that in one way, kind of smiling, because I got a hundred really favorite verses, but these are really my two favorite because I'm really wanting to stir your curiosity if these verses are new to you to where you would say, why would he pick those two verses? Huh, that's interesting. So if I've got you leaning into it, I got you. That's what I'm trying to do. But they really are my two favorite verses and my two favorite prayers. But before we do that, we're going to go back uh, to some months ago in the spring when we were spending a, uh, an uh, unusual amount of time, I think it was about six or eight weeks in a row, at every one of our four weekend services, we talked about the uh, Jesus rescuing us from the Laodicean spirit, from the spirit of dullness. And because I believe that's a prophetic word or an emphasis of the spirit on the body of Christ worldwide. Far bigger than our little world here or even just uh, America. I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to rescue the body of Christ. The darling of his heart across the nations from a spirit of dullness. And he wants to dine with us. He wants to give us gold. And these two favorite verses that I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you in prayers is really a way to engage in getting that gold. And a way to participate in dining with him. Having him feed us spiritual meals and feeding our heart uh, in that intimate way. So let's look at paragraph A. Jesus promised the Laodicean church deep fellowship with himself. It's really a word of hope in the midst of a correction and a rebuke. He's really offering them hope. He says in Revelation 3 verse 16, we know it so well, but... I don't think we can look at this too many times. Jesus told them in the, in the larger context, more than just what I have on the notes here, he goes, you don't really know you're lukewarm. And that's the problem with being lukewarm is you don't know it when you are. He says, but you are, and you're not even aware of it. You've become content with having so little from my table. I have so much more for you. But I want your hunger stirred up. Verse 18. I want you to buy gold from me. And it's gold refined by fire. So he's saying, come and buy this gold. But in doing that, verse 19, you need to be zealous. It's not just a kind of a feeble kind of effort. You kind of set your heart for a weekend or a month or two. Be zealous. Stay with it. Stay in the process. Because verse 20, I stand at the door. I'm knocking at the door of your heart. I have more I want to give you if you are hungry for it. If anyone opens the door, and I love that word, anyone. I will 
have spiritual meals. I will fellowship. I will dine with him. I will come personally and minister to his heart and teach him or her directly from my heart to, to their heart. But the Lord uh, requires that we're zealous. It's more than just, a, well, I'm, I, think I'm, I think that sounds good. No, it's a real determination. Not that we do it in the power of our own strength. We actually do it by conversation with Him. It's actually the conversation with Him that causes our hearts to go forward. It's not trying, it's not some new effort. Or we're trying to make passion happen in our heart. He's going to say just kind of the, the, the takeaway, uh, the kind of the takeaway practical to do thing is if you will enter into more regular conversation with me, I will change the way you feel. I will change the way you think. I will do things inside of you that will surprise you. Paragraph B. When he says, buy from me gold, we might automatically think that we're deserving the gold. We're earning it. We're buying it. We're purchasing it. And uh, he's actually telling us to engage in the God-ordained process of acquiring gold. It's a process in the grace of God. We don't earn it. We don't buy it in that way. But we buy it in the sense that we invest ourselves in a costly way. To position ourselves in conversation with them. Because it does take emotional determination and emotional effort to position ourselves to engage in that conversation. Even when the conversation is not lively or inspiring, the very uh, uh, emotional kind of setting ourselves in the effort of that is investing ourselves in a way. I mean, never by staying in a conversation could we imagine we earned gold just because we're talking to him. But he says, engage in that God-ordained uh, process. Invest yourself in a costly way. Now, in Isaiah 55... Isaiah is the one who taught us how to buy things from God. He was the first one that talked about buying something from God with no money. It's kind of a play on words. How do you buy it with no money? Well, he doesn't really mean purchase it in that uh, uh, a technical sense. But he's saying, if you're thirsty, come and buy this spiritual food from me. He's calling it wine and milk here in Isaiah 55. It doesn't cost money. It's by listening to me and talking to me. We buy things from God by entering that God-ordained process of actually listening to Him, reading His Word and talking back to Him. That's how we buy it from God. Paragraph C. He says, if you'll do this, I'll dine with you. I will draw closer to you than you imagine." I have so much to give you, and I desire it, but I'm not going to force feed you. And I won't make you uh, uh, engage in the conversation with me. But in as much as you want the conversation, I'll stay in it as long as you do, but I'll not force you to it. The teaching of John 13 to 17, which this course we're going to, it's our purpose to do five 12-part series on John 13 to 17. There are so many implications to each to so many of those phrases that I don't want to just run by it real quick, but I just want to just camp out here for about a year on these. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, you know, in, in the spring, I mean the fall and the spring uh, as well, and really break it down just phrase by phrase. But in John 13, he's having a physical meal with them. And you remember that's when he 
uh, 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 girds himself and washes their feet at the meal. And then, and he tells them to be a servant. Then he, then he actually feeds them a meal, a spiritual meal in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. So it's in the context of a physical meal. He gives them a spiritual meal. And so the, 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 the Lord has really highlighted these five chapters, John 13 to 17, that as, as the last time he spoke of a meal before the book of Revelation was right here. And I have no doubt that that was on his mind. I'm going to feed you. From the diet, the spiritual diet that I fed the apostles at the Last Supper, I'm going to feed you if you want to be fed by that. Well, in paragraph D, I've shared this a few times, but I I, I love sharing it because I love just reliving it in my own thinking. I think about it quite a bit. I had an open vision before the Lord. I've had two open visions in 50 years of walking with the Lord. As I've said, at this pace, I'm, I'm, I'm scheduled to have another open vision by the time I'm 100. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> but, uh, and what I mean by an open vision is that I was uh, awake and I actually like saw a movie screen right in front of me. It's quite startling because you don't think it's going to happen and it's happening. You think this looks like a movie screen. And it was right in front of me. I was in my office praying over just next to the prayer room and I had my lights dim slightly, but this, all of a sudden, this door appeared, and the door opened towards me, and I was looking into this room filled with bright, brilliant, golden light. And I, I'm just startled by it. Again, it takes a minute to know what's happening. You think, this looks like a vision, you know, but you're not used to having a vision. So it takes a, just the human process involved in that. And I was sitting on the couch and just came out of the prayer room, ready to go back to another set. And I was saying, Lord, this thing that you're talking to us about, this knocking at the door of our heart. And I was saying, Lord, as a spiritual family, as me as an individual, but as a spiritual family, I want us to, I want you to help us. Give us grace to open the door of our heart. We really want that grace. And it's more than just us. It's something we want for the body of Christ and across the nation and the nations of the world because I know the Holy Spirit speaking this. And I was, I, and all of a sudden this door appears and it opened. And I'm looking at this golden light. And I mean, I would that the light would have come out of the room and shine on me. You know, glory to God. But it wasn't that way. I was looking into a room. And in Revelation 3.20, the passage we're looking at, Jesus says, open the door of your heart. Then skip two verses and go to Revelation 4.1. He opens the door of his glory. So he's in the same conversation in chapter 4, verse 1. There's no chapter break in the conversation. Jesus says in 3.18, open the door of your heart. And 4.1, he goes, I'll open the door of heaven. I'll open the door of my glory. And he, he made that real clear. As you open the door of your heart to me, I'll open the door of my glory to you. And this is something bigger than a personal word. This was uh, 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 an uh, encouragement as, as a shepherd that I want to encourage lots of folks. If you'll open the door of your heart, he'll open the door of his glory. There's only two verses separating Chapter 3, verse 20, and uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Let's look at Roman numeral 2. Now let's, we're going to look now and highlight how to really open the door of our heart, how to buy the gold, how to feast at his table. It really comes down to conversation with him, as simple as that is. So I want to highlight what I call my two favorite verses. And I've been uh, really prioritized these two verses I, you know, it's not, I don't remember the time, but like 40 years. I mean, just 
for many, many, many years. It's been John 17, 26 and John 15, verse 9. And I've engaged with the Lord around these verses for many years. And I'm only saying that to for, for two reasons. Number one, I want you, if these verses are new to you, I want you to say, why would he do that? What's in those verses that would make somebody do that? Again, stirring up your holy curiosity. And the second is this, I never get weary of talking about these two verses. It's just, it's just a joy to me to talk to the Lord about it, to talk to people about it, to think about it, study it, read books, read articles, anything that I can find from somebody else that's got more insight on these two verses, I want it. And so I'm going to read the two verses to you and then we'll break them down a little bit. Chapter, it's all in the upper room. It's at the Last Supper. It's, it's in John 13 to 17. It's in that final Last Supper, the night before Jesus would go to the cross the next day. Jesus makes this most startling statement to them in John 15 verse 9. He says, as the Father loved me, I've also loved you. In the same intensity that the Father loves me, in that same intensity I love you. So he says, abide or stay engaged in this reality. Abide in it. Stay locked into this conversation with me. I don't mean every minute of every day. That's not what I mean. But stay engaged in the process of understanding what I just told you. So that's John 15 verse 9. Then maybe an hour later, I mean not long afterwards, now he's in the, the John 17 prayer time. He's praying to the Father. And in this prayer... He's actually prophesying. I mean, he's praying to the Father, but it it ends up a prophecy to us. Because how many of you know when Jesus prays something to the Father in faith, you know that it's a prophetic word that's going to come to pass. But it's also a word of encouragement, of hope to us. That if he would pray this to the Father, and the Father smiles and says, yes. I mean, we're in the right position. We're in a, we're in a good place. If Jesus is talking about us this way, this is remarkable. Here's what he says. He ends the John 13 to 17, the five chapters. He ends that upper room discourse with this statement. Here's the crescendo of crescendos. I mean, it doesn't get any more intense or any more glorious than this. The very final phrase and then it's, then it's over. The, uh, those, the, the, the conversation and prayer of those five chapters. It goes, Father, he's talking to the Father, verse 26. I have declared, meaning I've revealed, your name to them. And I'm going to continue to declare it. And the reason I'm going to declare your name to them is so the love with which you love me would be supernaturally imparted in them. That is a remarkable statement. So Jesus is saying, Father, I've, for three and a half years... Through my teaching ministry, through my lifestyle, through my miracles, I have revealed your name. In other words, your personality. They've seen my lifestyle. They've seen my my teachings. They've watched my miracles. And they know what you're like. Because I've revealed your name, your personality, your glory. It's all the same idea. But I'm going to continue to do it. Now they're listening to him pray and they think, okay, you're going to continue to reveal the Father. What Jesus means is, I'm going to the cross tomorrow. Then I'm going to die, raise from the dead, go to the right hand of the Father, pour out the Spirit, and I'm going to keep declaring what the Father's like to you by the person of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I'm going to do this is that I know that as I reveal the Father to you in little just, I call just little installments of inspiration, little moments of inspiration, 
Just the small, just small uh, times where we talk to the Lord or we read in a verse inspired. That's just little bits of, of moments of inspiration. They add up over time. Every now and then we get a, a, a major encounter. But mostly it's little installments of the Spirit touching us for just a few moments here and there and inspiring our understanding and our emotions. He's saying, what I'm going to do is, when I reveal the Father to you, and those conversation times with me, it's going to supernaturally impart to you the Father's love for me. You're going to love me like the Father loves me. I mean, and this is going to go on forever and forever. I mean, can you imagine any greater destiny imaginable than being caught up in the love the Father has for the Son? We feel it. We're liberated by it. We enjoy it. Our hearts are tender. It's like, this is so satisfying. This is the destiny of the body of Christ forever and forever. But we don't want to wait till the resurrection to enter into this in a greater way. We can enter into it now. Now, we're not going to get nearly as far in this age as we are in the age to come. But, beloved, there's a lot more we can get. We can. Uh, there's a lot more we can experience even in this age. Okay, let's go. Paragraph B. We're going to look at the first one. John 15, verse 9. John 15, verse 9. I want to kind of break the verse down to you. There's two very significant truths. I call them, not that this is a technical term, they're mountain truths. Meaning these truths are so big, the implications are so vast. There's like a mountain of implication and truth to each one of these phrases. So two phrases. They're ever so brief. But Jesus is all but saying, I'll give you the title of the book. And if you want to develop more, just stay with me in conversation. And I'll break down many, many, many implications to each of these two phrases. Phrase, I call them the two most significant truths. Number one truth is the way the Father loves Jesus. The way that God loves God. That is a mountain of truth. The way that God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit love, talk, relate, delight in each other from eternity past, that is, that is massive. So Jesus says, the way the Father loves me. And he could have paused and said, there's a whole lot more behind that phrase. It's the way that God loves God. Think on it. He goes, that's, that's truth number one. Truth number two, significant truth number two. That's the way that God loves you. I love you in the same intensity that God loves God. I love you like the Father loves me, like I love the Spirit, like the Spirit loves the Father. I delight in you. I want to relate to you. I want to share with you. I want to partner with you in ways parallel to the way the Father partners with me. Now we know that there, there's the uniqueness of Jesus. He is eternally God. But in his anointed humanity, he's talking about, as a man, anointed by the Spirit, that is your destiny forever, to relate to me, the Father, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, in a way like I relate to the Father and the Spirit, in my humanity. So those are the two big statements. But again, see them as like the, a title of a vast book in God's library. The way that God loves God. The way that God loves people. Got it. The Lord says, now, I'll unpack those to you if you want. From Genesis to Revelation, I'll unpack these two truths to you. Then he gives what I consider, I can I call it the most important commandment in the Bible. 
He says, abide in this love. Some translations say live in this love. Abide and live would be the same. Other translations say dwell in this love or remain in this love. So whether you put dwell, live, remain, abide, here's what the the command is. Stay engaged in this truth. Don't graduate from it and move on. Now there's seasons in your life where the Lord will highlight a different truth or a different assignment. And in those different seasons where we have different points of focus on different truths and assignments, never do we have, never do those truths or assignments substitute for these. These are always the foundational uh, interaction we have with the Lord. I never want to outgrow this. I never want to graduate from searching it out. Abide in love. Search it out. Engage in the conversation. Participate with me. Ask me more about this. That's what he's saying. Now, when I think of the kingdom of God, I, I think of the kingdom of God I have written here in paragraph B is secure forever. Because the Father loves the Son. Because God loves God. Because God loves God, it's going to go right. And then the our lives, because God loves us. Because God loves God and God loves us, beloved. The kingdom is secure and our lives are strong forever. I mean, what a glorious thing to think about the future. In deep confidence of the tranquility of family love that can never be broken. Forever and forever. And so Jesus, he, he gives them this uh, statement in John 15, verse 9. Now, it's interesting in John 15, verse 9, and I'll probably say this a dozen times in, in, the, in, the, in these five 12-part series that we're planning to do. We may do more. Who knows? But uh, when Jesus tells them this, the way the Father loves me, the intensity of the Father loves me, that's how I love you. When Jesus tells them this, literally just a little, a few moments later, he tells them, and oh, by the way, every one of you will deny me tonight. So he wasn't talking to them out of some idealism, like, you guys are so amazing. He was, actually, you'll all stumble and deny me tonight. But I want you to know, even before you stumble, though Peter said, no, I won't. Jesus said, yeah, actually, you will. Peter, you ought to be asking me to help you instead of correcting my perception. And you, Peter, no, I won't, I'll die for you. He goes, no, no, you're, you're a weak, broken man like the rest of them. But I love you. I want you to know that I love you like the Father loves me, and I know you better than you know you. So when you stumble, you're going to recover because I'm going to reveal my passion for you, even in your weakness. And at the end of the day, that's our security, is because God loves God and God loves that. That's why I have far more confidence in his commitment to me than in my commitment to him. But Peter, and I started the same way, I started like Peter, I was far more confident in my commitment to God, and I didn't know much about his commitment to me. Lord, I'm going to be, you know, I was 16, 17, 18 years old in high school, we were all reading missionary biographies, and we were going to go to the nations and try to be martyrs or something. We don't know what we really were going to do, but we were all... And we were so confident in our dedication and we're going to be warriors and zealous and, 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 and I would stumble and fall and sin and I would go, Oh Lord, I can't believe I did that. And I could imagine the Lord whispering, there's a whole lot more where I came from. 
You're only shocked as a statement of your spiritual pride. You should not be so shocked. You don't really get who you are. Have confidence in my commitment to you more than your commitment to me. And you're going to have a lot better journey ahead. And it took me a few years to begin to sort that out. I go, hey, that's a good deal, actually. And that's really what he was telling the apostles right there at the table. He said, you're going to deny me tonight, but you know what? I'm coming after you. And the reason we have a history together forever is because I'm coming after you. Even when you stumble, and then, yes, you do have to say yes, and you have to respond. But it's because I'm coming after you. That's why this thing's going to work. Okay, paragraph C. So I I love to uh, start my... Prayer times. I don't, I don't always, by the way, I don't always do this, but I, I often do this and I, I like to, uh, do it every time, but that would be exaggerated. But I like to start my day with this. We're t- taking these prayers, these two verses. And even if it's 10 or 20 seconds or 10 or 20 minutes, and it's not very often 10 or 20 minutes. It's, it's normally several minutes, two, three, four, five, six, eight, you know, I don't know. I don't have a time. I'm not like checking it. But I'll do this a number of times throughout the day. I'll stop and I'll take the, each phrase. In paragraph one, here's my my uh, uh, little simple little spiritual advice or exhortation. I like to tell God when I see a truth about God, like God loves God, God loves me. I like to say, thank you, God, show me more. That's simple. I like to say, thank you, show me more. Now, a lot of folks, they will read a verse like this, and they'll just go, wow. And they'll just maybe underline it, and they'll read the next verse. Instead of just going, wow, and underlining it, and read the next verse, stop 10 or 20 seconds, 60 seconds, and talk to the Lord about it. As the Father loved me, I love to say, Father... Thank you for the way you love Jesus. Show me more. And if you will say that, and I, I, you know, I hope, I don't know how many times, you know, two, three, four, five, six times a day. Some days I don't say it, but I mostly like to start my prayer time and my, my days, even driving for 90 seconds or, or go walking down the hallway to the next meeting, just whispering that in my heart. That postures my heart to receive more and more. But if you will turn it into conversation, Many times, nothing notable will happen, but many times, a little inspiration will happen. You never know when. And I don't measure it or count it or try to add it all up. I just want to stay with it. I want to abide in this conversation. And so I'll say, Father, thank you for the way you love Jesus. Father, thank you for the way you love the Holy Spirit. Or I could say, Jesus, thank you for the way you love the Father. Or Holy Spirit, Thank you for the way that you talk with the Father and you delight in the Son. Thank you for the way you celebrate Him. Show me more. Those are just different ways to say the same thing. Because you can say, thank you, Father, the way you love the Son. Show me more. Or the way that you celebrate, the way you delight in Him, the way you talk, the way you partner together, the way that you enjoy each other's presence, the way that you're committed to each other. Put any one of those verbs in there. It's all the same general category. And say, show me more. And you pray that 10, 20 seconds. Often it will stretch out to two, three minutes. Every now and then it will go out to 10 or 20 minutes. You don't start uh, saying, I'm going to do this for an hour or I'm not going to do it at all. No, just do it in just little, just little uh, 
kind of installments of conversation. Uh, that's probably not the best way to say it, but just those little whispers, those little short little uh, conversations. And then I like to say the same prayer another way. Instead of saying, Father, thank you for the way you love Jesus, show me more. How about this? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, let me see what you see and feel what you feel about the love you share with the Father and the Son. Let me see what you see, Holy Spirit, about the love you have, the love you share, the love you enjoy with the Son. Let me see what you see. Let me see what you see and feel what you feel about the way the Father loves the Son. What do you feel when you look at those two love each other? Let me have a... Again, I don't say every one of these prayers every time. I, I just gave you about eight ways to say the little 10-second prayer. And just, there's all kinds of ways to say this. But I love to say, Father, thank you for the way you love Jesus. Show me more. Or Holy Spirit, let me see what you see and feel what you feel about the way the Father loves Jesus. And just, again, there's just different ways to say the same thing. The key is to get in the conversation. You don't have to make it long. It will become long on its own. Just get in the conversation, 10, 20, 30, 40 seconds, two, three minutes, and just when it's, if you're done, you're done, then move on. Then an hour or two or six hours or the next morning, do it again. But I like to do this a number of times throughout the day, just spontaneously. Number two, let's go to the first truth is the way that God loves God. The second truth is the way that God loves me or he loves you. Jesus said, in the way the Father loves me, I've also loved you. I like to take that and say, Lord, Jesus, thank you for the way you love me. Or make it different. Thank you for the way you love, name a family member. Or if you really want to get like sermononthemount.com, say, Lord, show me the way you love the adversary who's standing against me. You know, If you really want to go all the way. Say, Holy Spirit, let me see what you see about that guy in the body of Christ that's really troubling me. But put your seatbelt on because the Lord loves that guy. It's like, I remember a few times when the Lord let me know how he feels about that guy. And I went, why? Because that's who I am. And that's good for you because that's why I love you. Because of who I am, says the Lord. Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. Okay. Ask the Holy Spirit, let me see what you see and feel what you feel about the way Jesus loves me. I just challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit that prayer. I mean, to ask him to show you that. He will show you how he feels about the way Jesus loves you. Um, Not every time. It won't be dramatic. But you'll get little whispers here and there. And when I get these little whispers, and, and it's not like I hear it. That's not what I mean by a whisper. Just a thought comes that inspires me. And I like to write that thought down. I'm a, I'm a journal fanatic. I like to write down inspiring thoughts. That's why you'll rarely see me in a, ever, I mean every now and then, but not very often, in the prayer room without a notepad or without my laptop. Because if you're saying something, I'm talking about you, the people on the platform singing, or the guy praying, or I'm interacting with them, or I got a Bible open while they're singing, and I say something to the Lord, or they do, that inspires me, I want to write the phrase down. And more times than not, I don't even reread it later. I just got pages and pages of phrases. But sometimes I do. And I never know what I'm going to. But I just love to write it down. Because when I write it down, it's like I'm in the conversation. 
And when I write it down, it actually grows. I have a sentence or two. Then I add another phrase or two. Then one more phrase. And and when I write it, it's a way of staying in the conversation a little bit longer. And it is amazing. I look back over 40 years of doing this. How many inspiring thoughts came to me by me writing and saying it back to the Lord. And said, I never even thought of that before. I like that thought. That's a good thought. And the Lord could say, well, where do you think he got that thought? And I don't go around saying, God told me this, but I just love to capture thoughts, even that I say back to God or phrases that inspire me. Now, I'll say something. Uh, some of you have heard it, so you already know where I'm going. But uh, I'll say it just to get your attention, then I'll explain it. I am my favorite teacher. My favorite teacher in the body of Christ is me. <laughs> I'm just kind of setting you up to go, what? Your favorite teacher in the body of Christ is actually you. And you might not know that. Because 1 John 2.20 says the anointing abides in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. If you will talk to the Holy Spirit and to the Lord more, you will say phrases that will come from his mouth, from his heart, that are tailor-made to your struggle, your personality, to your strengths and weaknesses. It's tailor-made for you. And nobody will move your heart more, nobody moves your heart more than your own words. That's just a human reality. That's why one reason why the Lord is so adamant that people don't complain. Because when we complain, whether we know it or not, it's ever so slightly, it's marking our heart. Your words move you more than anybody else's words. You might think so-and-so else's words move you more, but you say so many words to yourself that you don't even count. But if you'll talk to God and capture it, little phrases that inspire, you will find out five and ten years later, you look back and say, I've gotten more from those little thoughts and inspirations. I'm not talking about secrets about the names of angels and the mysterious events, you know, that are going to unfold over in China somewhere. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just inspiring thoughts. The Holy Spirit will actually use your own words and your own right, your own little phrases, and he will teach you from your own conversation with him. So there you have it. You're your favorite teacher, too. You just might not know it because maybe you haven't done much with it. But you stay with it on a year or two or five or ten later. You'll come back and say, oh, my goodness. You know, I appreciate your stuff, Mike, but I like my stuff a lot better. I'll say, there you go. That's That's it. You got it. You got it. The Spirit is in you. It's a tailor-made tutor for your strengths, your weaknesses, your personality, your mindset, your destiny. But he needs you talking to him. Talk to him and capture it. And again, I just I just don't even like going to a prayer meeting if I don't have a, a, a notepad. And many times I don't write much down, but I'll get those two or three phrases. And then uh, for years, you know, then I had to go type them into my laptop. And so now I just take my laptop. You know, I got stacks of stuff, I think. I don't even know what's in them, though. But it was fun doing it because, again, it marks you while while you're doing it, while, while it's happening. Okay, let's look at paragraph D. No, 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 paragraph three. I'm still on three. So the truth number one, the way the Father loves me, okay, the way God loves God. Thank you, God. The way you love the Son, show me more. Truth number two. Jesus says, that's how I love you. Thank you, Jesus, for the way you love me. Show me more. Number three now is not a a truth. It's an exhortation to obey. He says, now abide in this. Stay engaged in this. 
search out this truth. To abide in it doesn't just mean conversation. Study it. Talk about it. Ask about it. You know, read books or articles on anything you can. I read, I've read so much material over the years on just the love of God. Some of it's really boring, but I never know. You know, I'm going to read it just in case. And a little spark of insight will come. I'll go, wow, that's searching it out. That's abiding in this conversation is, is I put that under that category. So I'll, I'll stop and I'll, I'll take that third phrase. I'll say, Father, thank you for the way you love the Son. And this, Jesus, thank you for the way you love me. Show me more. Then I'll say, Holy Spirit, I set my heart to abide in love. I set my heart to stay in this conversation. Help me. Instead of show me more, I go, help me. Help me more. And if you'll do that 10 or 20 second conversation, this will take off sometimes. I mean, it will grow to two or three minutes. And, and, and this, when you least expect it, the Lord will give you another little insight about that. And so I've come to appreciate that as the number one commandment in the Bible to stay engaged in searching out and talking to the Lord about these two truths, abide in them, stay engaged in them, stay locked into them. Okay, paragraph D. John seventeen twenty six. Now we're going to the second favorite verse. I mean, I just don't know how anything is more grand than John seventeen twenty six, except for John fifteen nine. I mean, the two of them. I don't know. I don't know which one. I don't. You don't have to pick. You know, you just gotta have them both. But the Father, Jesus uh, promised to reveal the Father's name to you. Now, again, he did it for three and a half years in his ministry, in his teaching, in his miracles, and his lifestyle. But now from the right hand of the Father by the Spirit, he says, I'm going to keep giving you inspiring insights into what the Father's glory or his name or personality is like. And what it's going to do is going to tenderize your heart so you will love me in the... By the inspiration of the way the Father loves me. I mean, this is amazing. So I like to pray that prayer. I go, Holy Spirit, reveal the Father's glory to me. And impart love for Jesus. Your love for Jesus in me. Holy Spirit, reveal the Father's glory to me. And impart, and impart His love. Or your love for Jesus. Either one. It doesn't matter. You can say it any way you want. And there's... Uh, I've studied a little bit and in, 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 uh, about, I just love to add this phrase too, because there's several times in the Bible where God's throne is associated to his sapphire glory. And I just like to say, I just love to say, because I, I know these verses and they're special to me. I say, and Holy Spirit, escort me into your sapphire glory, which means the glory around your throne and all that. Anyway, you don't have to throw that in there, but I just do it because I like that. And so... I say, escort me into your sapphire glory. Let me see the realm of your heavenly court. I just want to feel it, even a little bit, just a little inspiration. I'm a, I mean, I'd love open visions, but I'm, I'll take little inspiring thoughts. But probably, because I've prayed this over the years, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't have to know. But that door opened, and the Lord might be saying, hey, you've asked me. I kind of opened that up a little bit for you. Or maybe he says, nah, that was just completely above and beyond anything you even asked. And so I want more of those kind of encounters. And so I'm going to keep asking for them. And I don't know for sure, you know, how he determines to do it. But he opened that door of glory. And I said, I want to, I want way more than just looking into a room filled with golden light. Okay, look at paragraph E. 
Now it says in John 15 verse 7, I don't have the, the passage there, but John 15 verse 7, it's just a couple verses before John 15 9, the one we just, the passage we just looked at. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he goes, if my words will live in you, then ask anything you will. But he goes, if you'll abide in me and my words abide in you. So the idea is that our journey to go deep in God starts with words. I, I just want to make it that simple. And I've had people over the years go, that is so simple. I go, that's the point. It's so simple, anyone can do it. But it's so simple, so many people don't do it. The journey to go deep in the Spirit starts with words. And once you get that clear, you go, well, if that's really true, I'm going to start saying more. And I'm going to read more so I can say more back to him. If that's really how it works, if that's really the way you buy gold, now that's really the way you dine at his table by speaking words to him. I mean, that's not the fullness of it, but that's the foundational kind of the building block of it. Christian, The Christian life is a ongoing dialogue with a person. The Christian life isn't just a ministry assignment, a task to do. The Christian life isn't just moral ethics. Let's, you know, live morally and let's do tasks to serve people. That's good to do tasks to serve people. That's really good, actually. But the Christian life is much more than that. It's an ongoing conversation with a person. That's the core. And then we do tasks with them. But if we do tasks with him, because we're in conversation, instead of working for him, then we will be sustained in our motivation. A lot of believers work for the Lord without conversation. But if we work with the Lord, that means conversations in the midst of it. It doesn't mean every minute, every day. That's not what I mean. I don't want to exaggerate this because then you'll think I can never do it. But if you will, if you will cul- uh, intentionally cultivate the conversation... Then you're working with the Lord, not just for the Lord. Because when you work for the Lord, a little detached a bit from the conversation, you get bruised a lot easier. And you get burned out a lot easier. And you get discouraged a lot easier. But when you're in the conversation, you got that little spark of inspiration that comes, not all day, every day, but here and there. And that makes the work doable, actually. You can stay with even the humdrum of the labor and even being overlooked and misunderstood, and even rejected. But when you've done something well, you still get rejected by people. But you've got that little spark in your heart that says, Lord, you and I were talking a little bit, and you love me, I love you, and they don't appreciate what I did, and I'm overlooked, and I was bypassed, and somebody else got the position I thought I was supposed to get. But hey, you love me, I love you. Let's just keep it going. And it gives you that spark in your heart of inspiration. Jesus said in John 6, verse 63, his words are spirit and life. His words have spiritual dimension to it and and life. Meaning when his words get in your mouth, they touch your spirit and they impart life to you. Again, it's not dramatic very often. It's mostly very subtle, but a bunch of little subtle ones adds up over years. It really starts making a difference. Over time. What he thinks and feels and says and does. Over time, what he thinks, what he feels, what he says, it starts moving our heart when we talk to him about it. Simple phrases shift our emotions over time. They really do shift us. But we got to get in them. A lot of folks say, 
they'll hear something like this, and for a week or two, they'll kind of go for it, and then they'll go, ah, no, stay with it. And if you get off track, get back on track. I get off track all the time. I mean, probably, I don't really know the number, but probably two or three times a year, I will stop and say, Lord, I'm not abiding in this conversation. Uh-huh. I haven't, what happened? The last few weeks, I haven't stayed in it. And the Lord says, okay, don't worry about it. Just start back again. Just acknowledge it and jump back in. And so when you kind of lose your focus, don't make a big deal. Just jump back in and get the focus going again. Look at paragraph F. Hosea says this, O Israel, return to the Lord. Then it's so interesting. He says, take words with you when you return to the Lord. This sounds like uh, what Jesus said to the Laodicean church. He says, return to me. He said, repent. So that's the same as return. But Hosea says, Jesus said, repent and come dine with me and buy gold. Hosea said the same thing, different. Instead of saying repent and buy gold, he said return and take words. Because the way you buy the gold is by speaking words to the Lord. That's how you get the gold. That's how you, the Isaiah 55, he says come and buy the milk and wine without any money by listening to me and engaging with me. Take words with you. If you'll talk to the Spirit, he'll talk back to you. Now, not necessarily a voice. I mean, mostly not a voice, but you'll have, insp- I mean, every now and then you, you, you'll hear something from him. But I don't, again, I don't want to exaggerate that because if I exaggerate it, then people, that's all they're looking for. And it didn't happen that often. And then they get discouraged. The way he talks back to you is by inspiring thoughts come to you, not just when you're reading, sometimes just in the, the course of life. But many times you, your Bible's open and you're talking to him from the Bible. An inspiring thought, that's the spirit teaching you. You know, I, I remember uh, years ago, I was asking the Lord from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Say, okay. Because a lot of people, they look at the lust of the flesh. And they grit their teeth. I will, I'm going to resist the lust of the flesh. I'm going to resist the lust. No, no, no. And the Holy Spirit taps on us and says, no, no. Walk with me, and then you can resist the lust of the flesh. Turn your attention And I said, Lord, what do you mean? How do I walk in the Spirit? And a phrase came to me many years ago. If you talk to the Spirit, you'll walk in the Spirit. If you'll just keep the conversation here and there, you will. The walking in the Spirit is more than that. But that's the foundational building block of walking in the Spirit, talking the Spirit. So instead of putting all of your time, you know, the... The person's going, I'm trying to resist lust. I'm trying to resist bitterness. I'm trying to resist anger. I'm trying to resist, I'm resisting. Lord says, no, turn around, focus this way, talk to me. And then you'll actually be walking in the spirit and you'll have a lot more energized heart to resist the lust of the flesh. So Hosea says here, come and return to the Lord. Talk to him. So when you talk to the Lord, it linger. <clears throat> It's not rapid fire. Don't preach to him. You're not rapid fire preaching. You're in conversation with the Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, I really love you. Lord, if you don't love me, you love me. I just don't do it. The name, take a look. The Lord gets it all, but the problem is you don't. I encourage people, even when they pray in intercession, you're talking to the Father. He loves you. 
Some people pray, and I did this in my early days, pray to the Father like they're preaching against the devil. You know, they talk to them, they're like binding and loosing, and Father in the name of, I'm telling you. And the Father says, hey, I'm on your team. We're in this together. I'm right next to you. Why are you talking to me that way? I'm your Father. I love you. You love me. Oh, yeah, right. I encourage people, I say, don't preach to God. Talk to him and linger in and have confidence that he's your heavenly father and he likes you. And he's not convincing you. You're convinced. I mean, you're not convincing him. He's actually the one trying to convince you. So I tell people, linger, go slower, dial down, not rapid fire, not rapid fire preaching. Linger, pause, 10 and I mean, aim for two and three and four minutes on these. Again, not five hours. And when I read the Bible, I just you know, like when I'm just reading chapter by chapter, whatever. Whenever I see a promise, like God, the you know God loves you, God forgives you, I'll stop and I'll say, "Thank you, show me more." I'll just, I use that "Thank you, show me more" all the time, and just pause and linger, pray in the Spirit a little bit, just pause a little bit, and I just want and and you can do that when you're driving for a minute or two or three or four minutes, turn some stuff off, just talk to Him. Like I love to, I, you know, regularly on Friday nights, I've been doing these Friday nights for 22 years. If I hop and I'll drive home and it's about three minutes. I live about a minute from I hop and it's a five minute drive or whatever. And I'll just like to say, Lord, let me see what you see and feel what you feel about. And I can say my wife, the meeting, the people tomorrow, tonight, the dreams I'm going to have. I just like to ask him, let me see what you see and feel what you feel about tonight. I'm dead tired. What do you think about tonight? You know, just give me a thought. And if you will engage in conversation with him, it's amazing how many more times he will give you little increments of thoughts. Okay, last passage. Deuteronomy 30. Moses taught in Deuteronomy 30. He's at the very end of his life. He's been like 40 years in the wilderness, and this is it. He's at the very very end. And he told them in Deuteronomy 30, look at verse uh, verse 6. He goes, the Lord will circumcise your heart, and you will love God. He's going to anoint you, in essence. He's going to anoint you to love God with all of your heart. That's a big promise, right? I mean, that's huge. And that's where God's taking the whole, uh, his entire family. All of his people, before it's over, forever and forever, we're going to love him with all of our heart. Now, we want to do that as much in this age. But even before the Lord returns, he's going to have people walking in a deep anointing, of loving God with all their heart and all their mind. But here's what he says. Look at verse 11. He goes, now this commandment to love God with all your heart, it's actually not too mysterious. See, a lot of folks, these are, he's a, Moses is being very pastoral right here. And because a lot of folks, they think they, they, they believe the lie. I just don't understand. You know, people ask me, I hear that all the time. What's the secret? To passion for Jesus. I wrote a book called Passion for Jesus. I get asked that a lot. What's the secret? I go, there is no secret. I go, the, the real issue of passion for Jesus, the way you get passion for him, is by growing in your understanding of his passion for you, actually. That's how it works. And then your heart goes, ding, a little sparks of insight. And you go, wow, I want to love him now. You do it more out of gratitude. Because you know that he loves you. I go, it's not mysterious. And people want to know what the secrets are or the keys. It's like it's mysterious. And Moses said... Don't make it complicated. It's not mysterious. It's not too difficult for you. Well, the guy goes, I've heard this for many, many years, and, and, I, and I want to say this kindly, but I'm trying to bail you out if you're one of the people who say this because so many say that. 
I have ADD. I can't understand. I can't pay attention. My attention stands only 10 seconds. I go, okay. Say the same thing for 10 seconds over and over then. Meaning don't, don't get yourself out of your inheritance by some argument that you can't think, you can't read, you can't study, you can't. The Lord says it's not mysterious. It's actually closer to you than you think. Then he goes on. He goes, uh, it's not far off. It's not outside of your ability. You're not too weak. It's not outside of, I can't reach it. It's out of reach. He goes, no, it's not. Moses says, it's not far off. It's not out of your reach. You're a weak and broken human being. And the grace of God, it's, in your, it's within your reach. Verse 12. Moses said, it's not in heaven that you should say, you know, have some prophet go to heaven and get us some encounter and come back and lay hands on me. He goes, you don't need a prophet to go to heaven. The son of man came down from heaven. He already did it. You don't need a heavenly encounter to love me because you've already got one. I've come from heaven and my spirit lives in you. Well, if I get a heavenly encounter or the great prophet lays hands on me, then I'll love God. He goes, no. Verse 13, it's not beyond the sea. I know I'll go to the revival center over in Europe, over in Latin America, over in Africa, over in Asia. Somewhere, get on a plane and go get it from somewhere. I've watched that for so many years. I mean, go get it from somewhere. I say, I think going to places and getting blessed is cool. But don't go there because you can't get it in your own walk with God. You really can, actually. And I'm not saying that like a, a big rebuke. I'm saying it so a light goes on. I go, oh, really? I go, yeah, it's not overseas. It's actually there. He says, look at it right there. He goes, verse 13. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, let's go over to the sea and someone bring it. Verse 14, here's the phrase. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. That's how close it is to you. That's what Moses is trying to say. It's in your mouth. Say, talk to God and you'll love him. Just, you don't need the heavenly encounter, although I love heavenly encounters. You don't need the revival center far away. Hey, I'll go there and get prayed for. I don't mind. But I'm not counting on that. The word is near me. It's in my mouth. If I will talk to God, little by little, he will inspire me. And so I say, Lord, here we are. Thank you, Father. I'm going to just end in prayer. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Let's, let's just stand before the Lord for a moment. I have the worship team coming up. So I'm going to just lead you in this. John 15, verse 9. Father, Jesus said... The way the Father loves me, that's how I love you. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the way you love Jesus. Show me more. Show me more. You might not feel anything. You do that a bunch. You'll feel it here and there more than you think. But don't go for the feeling. Go for the conversation and trust the Lord for the feeling. Trust the Lord for the feeling. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Show me more. Holy Spirit, let me see what you see and feel what you feel about the way Jesus loves me. Jesus says, abide in my love. Holy Spirit, I set my heart to stay engaged in this conversation. Help me more. Help me. I'll forget it by tomorrow. Help me. Help me to do this. John 17, 26. Holy Spirit, reveal the Father's glory to me. Jesus said, I will declare the Father's glory. Holy Spirit, reveal the Father's glory to me. 
Holy Spirit, reveal the Father's glory to me and impart His love for Jesus in me. Holy Spirit, reveal the Father's glory to me and impart the Father's love for Jesus in me. Escort me unto your sapphire glory. Those little prayers, you can say them over and over and you'll say them a hundred different ways. So here we are, Lord. We say we want to abide in you. Lord, we want to we don't want to live the Christian life without talking to you. I want to live it talking to you. I want to cease striving by trying to make love rise up in my heart. And I want to just start talking to you and let you awaken it in my heart. So Holy Spirit, I just come and ask you. Go ahead. I ask you to come and touch us now all over this room. Here we are, Lord. I know your fire can hurt. 